0: what's shaking hey i'm rick jordan and i'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits
1: welcome to the go big to Give big podcast where we are challenging six figure earners to become seven figure givers Our mission is to have you lead this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And today we have the incredible entrepreneur, Rick Jordan, joining us on the show. Rick is the CEO and founder of Reach Out Technology, and has become a nationally recognized voice on cybersecurity, business, and entrepreneurship. He is also the host of the All In with Rick Jordan podcast, author of the book, Situational Ethics, and is an award-winning public speaker. As you'll hear in this episode, Rick can speak to so many different topics, but some of our favorite things is when we got him to open up about his giving. This man has an incredible view on giving, And we had some of the best conversations we've ever had on this podcast um, with Rick around the giving that he does. I cannot wait for you guys to follow Rick's journey as he shares it in this episode and gets us uh, excited and emotional about some of the things that he shares. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to our new friend, Rick Jordan. All right. We are excited to welcome today's guest, Rick Jordan, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us, man. What's shaking? Let's do this, man. Let's have a good time. I'm I'm excited for this interview. Steve and I did some prep for it. And we just were so infatuated with everything you're involved in and your stories and your brand, your companies. And there's so many different ways that we could take these conversations on to go big and give big side because you're so involved in different areas where you've gone so big so many times and so many different things and you have so much philanthropic nature to who you are as a human. But I would love for you to just start talking maybe a little bit about your journey through life. I know you've lost your dad at a young age, and it really had a big impact on you And having to step up and you know take care of some of your siblings and stuff like that. But maybe you could just start there to frame a little bit of how your life started and then how you're able to scale up through some of those adventures that you had to go through. Yeah, man. Uh, There's a
0: portion of my life, you hit the nail on the head, right? Where my dad passed, I was just 16. But as you're starting to talk, it's cool because even though I do a lot of shows, right? I guess on a lot of shows, there's some stories that don't make it out all the time, if ever. Yeah. So the way you phrase something started, you know, how did you start your life? I think was your exact question, right? And well, you know, there was my mom and my dad. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) That's how my life literally started. But I think back as I was an only child for almost five years yeah you know, up until my up until my brother was born i was close to being 5 years old and then my sister was born just 13 months after that so i'm the oldest right 5 and 6 years older than my brother and sister and i know that my parents were working hardcore during those years too you know both parents working i had sitters you know daycare all of that typical most americans right that's how it rolls dual income families and then when my brother was born, my mom stopped working. And of course, my sister, I think they might have had that plan that they wanted to pump out two more kids for the within that short period of time just to be done. I mean, otherwise, they were getting not really up there. But by the time they had, my dad was, how old was my dad? He was 30, I think, when I was born, right? So by the time my brother was born, he was 35. That's not going to wait another five years you know, and have another kid when I'm 40. That's not what he wanted to do. And my mom was not working, but you would watch kids at her house. So they went from being a dual income household with just one kid to care for to a single income household. Uh, and from that point on, I, I always think back and it was like the only thing that my parents were like deeply in love, right? The perfect picture, perfect couple, at least from what I saw. And I knew my dad the longest out of my siblings because I, he lived until I was 16. You start to pick things up if things are off right? And you know yeah. the kids are smart. They start to pick things up if things are off. I never saw anything off, dude. With my parents, the only thing they ever really thought about that I remember would be finances. And it's interesting because my dad was a huge giver and I got to see this and be, saw him model this. So even when they didn't have a lot of money, and there's a reason I'm telling this story, right? There's a reason that he would still give is because he just always had this heart for people and always wanted to give his time specifically. Even if he didn't have the money, he always wanted to give his time towards something. And a lot of that was church when I was young. I mean, a lot of time he spent at church and church leadership, small church leadership. And no matter what he did, he just wanted to give all of himself towards mm-hmm. anything that he was in. And whether that was, I mean, his family or if he was serving somewhere, whatever it was, he was just always present. And it's something that I still strive for these days. And it's intriguing to me, too, because you look at, he probably never made more than $40,000 a year. That's it, right? Because he was an insurance salesman. He originally had a music degree, was a band director. And then back in the 80s, around then, at least from what I'm told anyways, it was a lot of reduction in budgets across the educational system for non, they deemed them like non-traditional education programs, right? Which would be music, the arts, gym was even cut back, physical education was even cut back a little bit in favor of math, science, you know, all the stuff that we call STEM these days just had a priority placed on and funding was cut elsewhere. He was a band director at a junior high and was laid off during that time Mm -hmm. period. So then he went and sold insurance in the (laughs) ghetto in Chicago walking around with, you know, cash premiums, right? He would just sell like these tiny little $5,000 or $10,000 term life insurance policies, just pitching them as in, you know, now at least you have something in case one of your family members passes so you can at least cover the funeral expenses. Nothing beyond that, but at least you're not hit with a 5 or 10K bill for the funeral expenses. But these were all cash premiums, dude, because I'm talking in the ghetto. Back then, this was before the internet, you know, so there wasn't like Zelle that you could, or, or, or auto pay that you could send stuff in with. It was, he would collect cash. And there would be a couple times, I remember, to where he was held up at gunpoint just walking down the street uh, mm-hmm. and had that wad of cash taken from him. You know, but he didn't. it didn't phase him. It, that was a crazy thing, right, is he never came home rattled from something like that. And I found this out years later too, because you don't tell a seven or eight year old those (laughs) kinds of stories, you know, but, but that's what I remember. It's like, no matter what it was. And there's one thing I remember that he said, you talk about going big, bro, is I had the best part-time job in the world. It it was slightly self-depreciating humor in that sense, but he put his priority on his family right? And towards everything else. And that he loved, he would say, I can't get over this because I'm always here. And he was always there when I left for school. And he was always there before I got back home. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, he was just literally there. He was at every single one of my ball games. I played baseball for nine years. You know, even helped coach in some areas. Always showed up to band rehearsals and band concerts for my entire fa- family, including my siblings. Just an incredible dude you know, and my mom was always right there with them too. She was the one that would keep the household together. And it's not that she didn't work because she started having a daycare out of our house, right? Like little kids, she watched six and seven kids at one point, in addition to my own brother and sister, out of her home just to help increase some kind of income in the house to make ends meet. Just a, The childhood that I had was very wholesome from a family perspective. And also at the same time, slightly impoverished because it, there there wasn't a lot of money right i, I remember pro wings I, is that even still a brand anymore i don't know used to get them at, at payless i think payless is still around isn't it the the shoe store maybe okay. i don't know yeah i don't know but i remember that was the thing was was pro wings because it, you know we couldn't afford nike couldn't afford reebok what mm-hmm. was the biggest competitor back then or adidas it was just the cheapest shoes possible to get you around and this was back when uh shoot, I think it was Wrangler jeans when they were (laughs) sold at Walmart would be the jeans that (laughs) I would wear to school. I mean, just a a sandwich, uh, no joke, like the the lunches that, because it was always a packed lunch, these Little Debbie snack cakes, the hostess calls them ho-hos, right? These little chocolate cake things, but Little Debbie would package them in in two per package, right? So it'd be like two of these little ho-ho things, but we were so poor, dude, that we had to split that package, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd only take one to school. That's it. And my, my lunches would be like a slice of bologna and a slice of American cheese on white bread. Like the same thing every single day. You know, yeah. But at the same time, it was such a freaking happy home, dude. Uh, you know, th- There wasn't a lot until I started to get into my teens and then I was, shoot, what can I do? Because the only thing that I ever saw my parents fight over was money. I'm like, I don't ever want that. How can I impact people? How can I impact more people? You know, How can I provide for people? How can I build something big enough. You know, at first it was like police officer is what I wanted to be, but it's like, cool. I can affect a lot of people. I can help a lot of people that way. And then when that didn't pan out, it's awesome. How would I build a frickin' business after all the geek squad stuff and even geek squad. It's like, how do I be the biggest and the best that there is? Shoot, I'll go train a nation. I was invited to do that. I rolled it out in Canada. I was literally one of two people that trained the entire country up there when it Mm -hmm. rolled out. So it was always like, how do I push?
2: I want to interject you for a second and rewind a little bit back to what yeah. you were telling us about your dad and how involved he was in your life. And that you said that your sports games, he was always there. He was always there, you know, to in the morning, you know, when you left for school and that kind of stuff. Is he the person, if you were to single out one particular moment or person in your life, is he the person who taught you the all-in mentality and... Mm, if so, connect that journey between that moment of recognizing that and where you're at today.
0: Yeah, you got it. I would say that he was, you know, and it's not in the sense that you would think, because let's, let's get real for a moment. Could we do that? Because I mean, yeah, a, a lot of people it. see all in as hustling, you know, which it comes to mind. I don't know. Is this an explicit show? Because it comes out and I'm just like, that's bullshit, right? <laughs> it's a, it, that's, if you're glorifying the hustle, that's a toxic mindset. You know, if that's what you think is all in, is just, you know, all the amount of time that you're putting in uh, above everything else towards whatever that you want to build, I don't care how important you think it is in your life, you know, if it's work or even if it's family, because you can have a hustle with your family too, to where that's like the only thing that you focus on, but you're not doing jack shit to provide for that family at the same time. You know, that wasn't my dad at all. My dad was always there every single day because, and people ask me, what is all in? You're the all in guy. I'm like, all in? is doing what you can do today. And then when tomorrow comes around, you're doing what you can do tomorrow. Uh, and that's it. And that can vary, you know, because you might have 100% to give today, you know, but then there's a day you might feel a little sick or you know what, something hits you, it blindsides you in life and you've got 40% mentally that day. That's it, right? Because you're drained because of whatever situation. But if, you, if it's that day and all you have is 40% to give, if it's to your family, your job, the business you're building, whatever, you're still all in because you're giving 100% of that 40%. Yeah. And that, that's what I saw with my dad, you know, because it, no matter what it was, because when you, when there's not a lot of cash flow happening in the house, sometimes you have to make some hard choices. You know, it, when it comes to food or skip some things that I wanted to do, sometimes I would get told no if I wanted to go hang out with my friends and go to a movie because there wasn't cash for those kinds of things. Or the big thing was like Great America, right? Six Flags Great America in Chicago here back then, it's like sometimes the money would not be there for the ticket for that kind of a thing. But that's okay, because at the same time, he would still show up and it's we're going to do what we can do today. And I think that matters in every aspect in life. I look back and sure enough, he never called himself that he never used that phrase all in. I don't even know if that was a thing back when I was growing up, if that phrase even existed, really. Uh, except for gambling, right? Poker, yeah, <laughs> all in, you know? <laughs> but that's a, that's a great comparison to the contrary, too. Totally you know, good. because even in poker, when people are pushing everything all in, it's like they're literally risking everything at the same time. They're not doing everything they can do, because everything they can do might not be just that moment, but what about the hand after that, and the hand after that? When it comes to life, what about the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that?
2: a like- culture
0: is freaking all in
1: with po- poker, man. That's the better match that way. Totally. As a, someone who's faced a lot of adversity, overcome it, and had a lot of success, what advantages come with facing adversity? You know, How have they helped shape you who you are and the skills that have come from facing that adversity to maybe gain that all-in mentality?
0: Dude, you learn a ton. And, and that's one of the beautiful parts of this because everybody's had traumas in their life, right? And the adversity that you're talking about, I've had traumas that have been linked to my dad's death. Go figure, right? A lot of people <laughs> But my trauma was more like, I I created this thing to where it was, I had to achieve because my dad died so young, right? And then you start to project and you get angry, right? It's a stage of grief. It's very, it's psychologically valid. It makes sense. Everybody is okay. It's okay to get angry if something bad happens to you. That's all right. You process through that. But, you know, it's like, I I have to accomplish so much in order to achieve as much in my life because I don't know when I'm going to go. Nobody knows like, like the day or the hour when you're done. Uh, that was a thing. It's like, well, what about, but that isn't being all in. N- no joke, that is not being all in because you're not doing everything you can do today because you're always living in the future. You're not being here right now. Uh, so the adversity that you have, the best way to, to deal with those things is to allow the emotions to stay with that point in time and then just take the learnings with you. So you can leave the emotions back there. Right? Because if you continue to drag those emotions, that's really the baggage that you carry from any kind of trauma, is you continually allow those emotions to just reign in your life today and prevent you from going after anything you want to, prevent you from having a business that you want, prevent you from growing a successful relationship with a loved one. It's difficult when your emotions are tied to something that already happened that's done. Taking the learnings from that because you can look back, dude. I miss my dad, right? You can look back because that's a present feeling. I miss my dad, but I'm not angry anymore, dude. Yeah, you know that that, that emotion's over. It's done, right? I processed through that. I don't allow that to affect what I'm doing today. But I learn from that and saying, "Cool, my dad provided such a stability for us." And even though he wasn't making a lot of money, no joke, it, probably because he sold life insurance, but he made sure that there was enough to provide even after he was gone, which was beautiful because all of his medical bills, he had a ton of them because he had leukemia, right? Like $400,000. Yeah. And that was back in 1996. So almost 30 years ago, I don't know what that would be adjusted for inflation, probably at least double today. It's a lot of medical bills, bro. <laughs> you know? yeah. But all of that was covered by the life insurance policies that he put in place, including the house completely covered too. Crazy. So,
1: I know. So even after he, was, he died, he was still providing
0: for us, which was really amazing.
1: That's very cool. I want to change a little bit of direction here and, and talk a little bit about situational ethics. I know you've written a book on that and something Steve and I are very profound on is, you know, ethics, morals, everything involved in it. And I'd love to yeah. just hear where that came from, where it grew through, what the book's all about. You know, walk us through what situational ethics is. I love being transparent about everything that I do, man. The reason
0: I wrote the book to begin with, or actually, sorry, the reason I contemplated even writing a book was to get on TV, to build the personal brand. Here's a little secret for everybody listening to it. Lifestyle shows need guests, right? So if you want to build a brand and gain that credibility as an author, you have like an in to be on local TV, you know, I'm not talking news like I do right now, right? Because I go on and talk about like FTX. I go on and talk yeah. about Elon Musk. I go on all that stuff because I've got credibility and experience over the years in my field and as an entrepreneur now. But when you're just trying to get on TV lifestyle shows, I'm talking like the shows that have like the cooking specials and the relationship <laughs> stuff and all that, right? As an author, dude, you can get on easy with just writing a book. So at first, it's like my field was i t and cybersecurity, so the coach that I was using, is like, yeah, write a book about that. I'm like, I don't know. That, that sounds kind of boring. I don't know <laughs> if that would really appeal to a lot of people. It's, what am I going to write about? It's, hey, don't change your password. You know, th- that, that doesn't sound very fun to me. And then as we were talking, we just got into a concept of ethics. And he's like, I didn't know you were so big on this topic. I'm like, dude, if I were to write a book, like for real write a book, because I mean, it's do what you can do today, right? Going yeah. all in. I felt like it was kind of a cop out. <laughs> a little bit, like it wasn't even a challenge to myself to do a book about cybersecurity just to get on TV, yeah. whatever. I'm like, how about I just do this? So I actually hired him, right? To, to help me write this thing. It was $25,000 too, because anybody, no joke, anybody can go out and write a book. I, yeah. And the way that I wrote a book is that you just dictate, right? If you know stories, if you have anything, if you know anything about your field, if you're any good whatsoever, what you do, you can just dictate, have that sucker transcribed and then there's your book right? Hire an editor off of Fiverr for 500 bucks or something like that to to run through it. it. It's fairly simplistic to write a book when you just dictate the whole thing and you talk, you know, or even type it out and send it to a Fiverr editor. But then it got into situational ethics. I'm like, this is pretty interesting because I've got a lot of stories and I'm sure a lot of people do. It's not just me, which is why I think that the material is so relatable because these are true stories from my life that I've either been directly involved with or have observed from a just third party's point of view. So I was still sort of involved in the situation. And it was just interesting to go through these stories and retell them in a way that shows how good people can cross over into bad territory just because of the situation, the external circumstances and situations that are surrounding them right? At their hearts, they're really, really good people, but they got the, these pressures, man. And a, a lot of times it's financial too, which is the craziest thing. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't make sense, but it's, if you dropped, if you saw somebody drop a $100 bill, there's several different types of people out there. It's like one, w- w- they'll do the right thing no matter what. They'll pick it up and then they'll run after that person and be like, this is yours, right? And then the other end of the spectrum is like, the person doesn't think twice, it's like I found it, it's mine, finders keepers you know, doesn't even look around. But most of us kind of fall in that middle section to where we have to think about it, right? We'll take a look around, be like, okay, can I identify who it is? Okay, if I identify who it is, how far down the road are they? Can I actually catch up to them? Is it worth my energy spending to catch up with them? You know, or it's something like, you know what, maybe I'm supposed to have this thing because I just had a medical bill come in when it's really not yours to begin with, right? And you're thinking, I could use this for myself. And then all these things, it's like the old thing about the, the God and the devil on different shoulders. Right. That's the yeah. category most of us fall into. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a conscious effort every single day to stay ethical because ethics, I, I love this definition that also this delineation, that's a big word. Sometimes I pull big words out, right? <laughs> Comparison, right? Is ethics are really who you are, your character right and those are things that that you can manage yourself whereas morality is almost something that's imposed on you by society you know, so the it's the internal versus the external because morality can be society says this is how it goes and we can see that morality can actually shift generally speaking right and a big example of that these days is like transgender lgbtq uh, all of that stuff i think it's ia plus i can't even remember all the letters i'm not saying that insensitively It's just that it's constantly changing. That's a perfect example of that. You know, and that's morality. That is society and how culture views a certain scenario. But then ethics is your own judgment on something. You know, so it's almost like from morality, it's like people interchange those words, but they're very different. That's also why we have 50 states, you know, because you can go live in one part of the country that thinks one thing from a moral perspective, but if you don't align with that, if your own ethics don't align with the morality of the culture or that area that you're living in, you can pick up and move somewhere else that matches how you feel.
2: So two-sided question here. On one side, what do you think is the character piece in entrepreneurs that's needed most? And flip the coin, what do you think is the character for entrepreneurs that is missing the most? Oh, they're
0: the same, dude. It's mm. a, but it really is the flip of the coin. It, an entrepreneur wants to build something bigger than themselves, plain and simple, because it's, it is the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. A business owner is doing right. the same job, just only for themselves. They're doing it without a boss. That's it. We're really an entrepreneur. The only way that you're going to make tons of money that actually impact the world is if you're building it to
1: allow other people to benefit from it, not just you. I did love that. That's awesome. Um, I want to Pivot a little bit here and move on to the giving side a little bit. And before the show here, you're talking about some incredible stuff. And I'm just going to ask you a blanket question of like, why should people unapologetically give?
0: Dude, there's so much that, you know, if you want to call it karma, or really personally, I believe that this is a godly principle is that things are returned to you. It's a, the parables about if you're faithful little, you'll be given much, you know, and that's really like a stewardship thing. It's if you can do really good things with how little you have right now, you will be trusted with very big things, which means that you can do even more good with all these things. You know, and it comes back to like how I view money too. It's money is not evil. And if you go back to scripture, it's like, it says the love of money, a lot of individuals, including the spiritual world like to leave that phrase out, the love of, right? And they just say uh, money is evil. And it's like rich people suck. And it's like rich people are so pretentious and they like to just push down upon everything. You know, even Dave Chappelle talked about it a little bit in his SNL monologue the other night, right? He's, you know, it was the first time a white dude ever walked out uh, of the room and said, yep, everything you thought we were doing in there, we're doing it. And then we just went right back in there and kept doing it. That's what a lot of people think about money, you know <laughs> and he's like it's all true it was hilarious if you didn't see it it's awesome because it's so factual it's just like truth is what he was in my opinion just what he was presenting but money it's like money isn't evil money's a tool yeah you know and it, it's a tool that's made to be able to impact lives and literally change lives it's a resource that's all it is and what happens with resources dude you have to go out and look for more resources right it never really comes to you if you think about like basic living survival things like food and water you think you just like i mean back in like early early days when you had to hunt in the forest and everything to get your food it's like water a new stream doesn't just form and come to you typically speaking animals just not going to come and lay down in front of you and be like hey i'm your food but you actually have to go out and look for these things same with money you have to go out and look for it So if you're just going to, even if you're stuck at a job and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I can get a new job soon, but you're not out there doing anything about it. You're not looking for it. That's a problem because when you start looking for things, this includes giving. You have to be conscious about looking for ways to be able to impact others too. And when you actually start looking for it, because a lot of people will be like, I don't even know where to start giving. I've heard this so many times. I don't know where to start. I don't even know what I can afford. Yeah, exactly. But when you open your eyes, it's, oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities all around you. When you start to be like, hey, today, you set that intention, right? As soon as you get, today, I want to be able to give to somebody. As soon as you wake up and it can be little, it can be huge, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. As long as you're looking for it, you will see it. You know, it's like you start to say, I'm going to look for yellow cars or have you ever bought a car? And you're like, oh, I love that vehicle you know, or, or lease a new car, whatever, or used car, I don't care. You you acquired a vehicle because you just love it. And then all of a sudden, you start to see your own vehicle like everywhere. Yep. <laughs> because now you've been looking for this for how long to find that right vehicle for you. And now you see them everywhere. Like, oh, I'm not as special anymore. You know, it's a bummer when you do that, but I still love my cars, by the way. But that's, a, that's an aside.
2: A little bit of like the law of attraction. Yeah, you
0: have to look for these things. A little bit, yeah. And the law of attraction is an interesting scenario too, because it's, I would like to rephrase that at some point in time. I'm not exactly sure at this point in my life where that is, because the law of attraction kind of relates to luck a little bit, right? If you want to put it that way, or it could be viewed that way. And I used to say that I don't believe in luck, right? I used to get pissed at people that would tell me like, oh, you're so lucky, right? I'm glad I've, I've aged at least three years since that moment, since I used to get angry at that. Because now I recognize that perhaps luck exists. And this is along the same lines of conversation that we were just talking about giving, how it's all around you, right? The, The opportunities when it comes to business or anything else, they're all around you. It's just that one, you're not looking, but two, are you actually in a position to do something with it? Are you actually in a mindset to be able to do something with it? So if it's a law of attraction, You know, it's more like the law of recognition. Ha, there it is. I came up with it on the fly. How about that, Steve? (laughs) You know, rather than the law of attraction, because I I truly believe that these things are just literally there. They're just sitting there. We just don't have the ability to see them until we go looking for them. And then it's either luck or we attracted it, whatever. But it's like, no, I just opened my freaking eyes. It was right
1: there the whole time. I love that man. And he's some fire right now. And I love it. And I want to keep going with it. Cause something that we asked you is, you know, what where's typically do you like to give or what's something you like to give to? And you give a really incredible answer of just how you decide to give each and every day or different parts. And I'd love for you just to touch on, you know, that same question of so what do you generally give to and hear your answer for it?
0: Yeah, man. I have such a wide area of things that I give to. All the way we talked a little bit about this, right? Where the littlest one that I love talking about. I love this because the reward for this just really gripped my heart. There was a woman, I've told the story a couple of times. We were just in line at the grocery store, right? And there's a gelato bar at the grocery store. And I'm thinking it's okay. This is the day I'm going to splurge, right? I'm going I'm to indulge a little bit, which by the way, I did today. I had a pumpkin spice latte today from Starbucks. <laughs> you know, I, I try to stay fit. There's a lot of sugar in those things. You know, but I, I get no whip on those just to kind of reduce the calories and the sugar, but make still, you feel I better one at the end of the day like every season. It dies. I know. <laughs> yeah. So it's that's an indulgence for me, right? It's just I have one, sometimes two out of the whole, you know, fall season into the Christmas season, just, uh, just because they taste good. You know, but this was one of those days with the gelato. I'm like, I'm going to get just a, a one scoop of gelato. You know, I busted my butt this morning working out. I'm cool. I've got the calories covered. No problem. So, I'm standing there and I'm behind an elderly woman, and she's ready to check out that they rung her up for her gelato and she's having trouble. I couldn't really see why, but she was trying to find either money or a credit card or something like that. And she was just there forever and she started like getting a little worked up, you know. And I don't, I didn't know why at the moment, why this was happening. And I'm behind her. I just put my hand on her shoulder and I said, you know what, today, the gelato's on me. I'm already starting to tear up, by the way, <laughs> as I'm talking about this. And, and she starts crying. In the moment, she's like, oh my goodness, thank you. She get, so I pay for it. She goes, I want to tell you something. Today's my birthday. And every year on my birthday, my husband, who passed away a couple years ago, and I would go and get ice cream. That, that was the thing we would do every single day on my birthday. And I've been without him for a few years now. And this is the first time that I've smiled on my birthday because of what you did in a very long time. And dude, it was like $3, you know, in the moment. And I'm sitting there looking at her. I give her a big hug in the grocery store. And if I could do that, which of course you could, right? But if that's just something that could happen every single day of my life, I'd be set And I continue to look for these things but seeing the expressions on people's faces and you know because it's that but then it's you know from spending three dollars all the way to giving you know writing a fifty thousand dollar check to a a church that was struggling during the pandemic which I've done so that they could fix air conditioning once everything opened back up again right so they could actually have people there in the building again it's still the same thing the amount of impact you know you're faithful with little so then you become trusted with much. Mm, and the impact that. on these things is just absolutely incredible, man. When you're looking for things, it's, if something crosses your path, you're meant to help. If it's an elderly woman looking for ice cream, or if it's a $50,000 air conditioning unit for a church, you're meant to help in some way if that need is presented to you.
1: Dude, that is so special. I'm like, I'm like in awe right now because it's just so true and and. Something we've come to see as a common theme on the podcast is the biggest moments of giving typically don't come with the tax receipt. It usually comes from when it's a moment of goodness and a moment of greatness. And I'd love to just hear a little bit more of of you know some of your philosophies around giving in that space from business and personal and other ethics. So does your business do a certain amount of giving for a certain thing? Is this all just personal in which you just take your funds out and donate it? Do you donate much of your time? Do you distinguish between any of that, or is it truly just like today's business, today's time, tomorrow's personal? Like, how do you distinguish between that? Yeah, that's
0: a good question, and I think this has to do somewhat with the structure of your businesses. Also, you know, prior to taking the company public, which was just this year, you know, there was some that the business would do, but that was mostly for our internal people. And I- I'm literally talking, let's if it's an employee that has a major expense or something like that. It's not a bonus or, or anything like that. It could be just, uh, uh, you know, as an example, one of our people had her husband have back surgery, right? R- right going into time, And it's cool. You know what? We got your driveway plowed for the whole year, for the whole season yeah. that this is. 1500 bucks, whatever. You know, because that, that is, that makes business very personal, which I love doing. Yeah. When it comes to community things, we're involved in some community things from a business perspective, but most of it, and it's because of how, really taxation works because prior to this year everything I've done has always been an S corp so it always ended up being personal anyways like the things that I would identify now it's a little different which is kind of cool because it's like a whole new realm for me too because yeah. now that we're you know public company I can start to identify different things that we can support as an entity as an organization in addition to continuing the personal side too but here's something else too that I want to throw out to everybody you have to still take care of your own mm-hmm. you know when when it comes to giving you know because you can completely be the individual and i've seen this too and this is toxic to me is if you're doing everything else for everybody that's not like within your own umbrella that you have responsibility for right now that's not being very good in your stewardship for the people that are right in front of you and that could mean your family right that could or if you're running a business that could mean your employees you have to make sure that you take care of your own and that's first and foremost before you can even consider anything that's outside. You know, and I'm not talking like the little things, but if you're always like focused elsewhere, it's like, where's your brain really at? You know, what's preventing you from being able to take care of your own first? Because that has to be like your solid foundation. There's no way that you're going to be able to see all the opportunities to give externally if you're so closed-minded to
2: what's going on at home. You got to be able to put that doctor mask on first, right, to be able to help the community around yeah. you, like your immediate family and that kind of stuff. And man, I, I love that story with the lady and the gelato and the ice cream. And yeah, I, I know that you've donated big checks and, and a ton of your time along the way as well. You know, the team kind of gives you a hard time for that. But those little things like this, there's one moment where I uh, similar story. I was at a checkout and this young lady was, I saw her walking down the road to the grocery store. I was at the grocery store, you know, five minutes later. And she was trying to find the right amount of change for two Mars bars, two chocolate bars. And I walked up and I just said, hey dude, behind the till, turn on tap. I just tapped and I walked out. And you can see this lady's face just like, what just happened? And I know I've been in that position like way many years ago. And in a way it it restores faith and humanity for those individuals and people around possibly as well, people who witness it or who are affected by it. And the question I wanna ask you about this is, how do you think entrepreneurs and business owners can create more of that inspiration within their organization to restore the faith in humanity.
0: Dude, it's if you're right, now I'm going to make the assumption that as the leader, right, you've already got your heart in the right place, you've got your mind in the right place. And now at this point, it's functional because I think we've covered everything so far as far as how to make sure that you're in the right spot (laughs) to begin with because you have to be before this matter. But if you get into the actual functional side, it's touch points with your people. You know, and it could be something to just little questions. And I've come up with this over the years, right? It's like the better things to ask, the right times, you know, the the little things that you see. And again, it's looking for it too. But if it's your people as an entrepreneur, as a leader, set some time aside because culture comes from the top. There's one thing that I do called CEO talks where I can pour into people. Now, it's great that I have a podcast that's pretty decently sized in the world and I do those, I live stream one of those every week to the entire company, because we we're we in multiple different locations across the United States, and there's even an office that we have overseas. And I do these just to inspire and motivate, that's it, for culture, and really pour my time into them in those moments. And then out of that, it's amazing, because out of that, I'll get like a Slack message from just a random person that's working in the company, said, hey, Rick, you, you, this really moved me today. I've got this going on in my life right now. What advice would you give for this situation? You know, and in those moments, because I've created this space for them to come to me, right? And it's not like the open door policy. That's just a bunch of bullshit when people say that. But it's actually leading with that to say, I'm going to pour into you. And then they understand that, oh, this is somebody that I can actually go to with something that I need, with a need, that that I, I need answered, even if it's just advice. But then in those moments, I start to learn more about these individuals and I can see things like if it's something that, that they're struggling with right now, you know, if it's not financial, but it could be a relationship with, I don't know, with a family member, maybe not even a spouse or something like that, but just a relationship with an external family member, especially around the holidays. Oh my gosh, right? We got Thanksgiving, we got Christmas, and people are always at each other's throats when it comes to extended families. Oh, yeah. But if they bring these kinds of things to me, it's like, Hey, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try taking that person? Like this could be the advice, right? Why don't you try taking your brother out to dinner, just talking to him about this? You know what, better yet, here's a $100 gift card to do exactly that. Let me know when it's scheduled and let me know how how it goes. When you open this arena for them to just be open back with you, and you have to be a little vulnerable, it's like tactical vulnerability as a leader, right? Because you still want to show strength and that you have direction for the company. At the same time, you want to show that you're human. That's the tactical vulnerability. And it allows us open space to be able to generate more ways to just pour into them.
1: Dude, I love everything about that. That is true leadership from the top. And I can tell Steve excited. that's something we're very passionate about. And and I just absolutely love what you just said, that instead of just even giving someone a $100 gift card for saying good work, it's supporting them to become a better human and enabling that by supporting them with some gift cards. And I just, ah, oh, dude. That's special. So I love that. It's a perfect segue into what we're going to jump to is our giving round. So it's some rapid fire questions, short answers, and just to learn a little bit more about you as a human. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hit me. Uh, All right. Brag on one charity that you like. Uh, St. Jude, all the
0: way.
2: Love anything that does anything huge for kids. What would get you more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping somebody? Oh,
0: man. That's tough it's spending a week helping somebody and could we wrap the million dollar check in with that too cuz I'd like to do both
1: <laughs> that's that's awesome uh, who inspires you with their giving oh man i uh, it's
0: intriguing to me because john ledger i've had a little bit of a ceo crush on him for years you know he was the ceo of t mobile for a while but he would do t mobile tuesday giveaways and they still do that to this day even though he's not the ceo and i absolutely love that because it's like being gratuitous back to your own customers, right? And impacting lots of lives in a very massive way. It's something that I've instituted with our clients too, as to where we will be gratuitous and tip them afterwards. And it's just incredible because that opens up the door for more conversation
2: about things that are going on in life. That's super cool. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving like immediately as soon as they start the business, like include that as a line item or wait until they've seen, you know, a little money in the bank and a little bit of success? I think it goes
0: hand in hand and it has to do with looking for the things because I don't believe that there's going to be something that comes across your plate that's going to be too big for you to help with. There's always something to do that with, right? So it comes back to what we were talking about, opening your eyes, right? If people like designate and this is interesting, right? Because this comes from like church and all that stuff. It's like your tithe is 10%, your tithe is 10%. That stuff goes back to Abraham and it's, I know in the way that I do this, it's probably even way more than like 20% of my income. As long as I'm looking for these things and the right things will come at the right time. And again, if you're faithful with a little, you're going to see that come back to you. And I've done this before too, to where it's been like, hey, I just donated $5,000 here. All of a sudden I get like a $50,000 contract the very next day. You know, and it's, I think those things are pretty, pretty much in sync there, right? In the universe. Very cool. Great
1: answer. Uh, What is the first thing that you think of when you hear go big to give big? Dude, I think it's what we're all supposed to do in life.
0: You know, the only reason I have a business is to help other people. And this comes back to the entrepreneur versus the business owner, right? I'm a little sick and twisted this way, but I love payroll. (laughs) I always (laughs) have, you know, because it's like a lot of times people are seen as an expense, especially with these massive layoffs that we see and all of this going across. I'm on media talking about that all the time. You can view it that way, or you can be like, hey, you know what? I'm actually providing a livelihood for thousands of people. And this is what really drives and fulfills me.
1: In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give fulfillment. Oh, that was concise. The, uh, the final question, Rick, we have for you today. I'm sure you've heard this one before and I'm excited to hear your answer on it. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? <laughs> no,
0: but I think that it can put you on the path towards fulfillment as the word that I just said right there. And I can tell you this, you know, generally speaking, if you look around and that there's poor people, right, and it's because I was one too. You know, and this whole thing about more money, more problems, I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case either because that's just something that poor people say because they're pissed off at rich people and they, do, they yeah. have some self-limiting belief to help to get themselves there. But if you look at it, a lot of people that make a lot of money help a lot more people by donating a lot more money. So yeah. it's uh, You need to always press forward towards your own purpose. And usually money comes with that so that you can accomplish those things. Remember, it's a resource.
1: I believe that, man. And I also believe that, you know, I think our mentor Cole Hatter says the best when he says money just gives you the ability to shop at a different store. And uh, if you can go buy happiness by giving back, I think it's you, man. Every day you're just buying your happiness by giving a little bit here and there to the people around you. And I'm sure you live a pretty fulfilled life as you do things like three dollar gelatos and fifty thousand dollar donations it sounds like you are pretty fulfilled in that area great answer man great answer and with that's the that's the end of our show man we really appreciate you coming in and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge and some of the best conversation i think we've had around the giving side in our podcast today if our guests want to get in touch with you what's the best way to find you the best way to learn about what you do or just brag on yourself for a minute about how they can get in touch with you
0: yeah. DM me on Instagram. That's my biggest platform I have at Mr. Rick Jordan.
1: That's awesome. And where's your website so they can find you as well? I know you got a lot of content out there. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Rickjordan.tv.
0: That'll give you the links to literally everything.
1: Yeah. I spent a lot of time on your website uh, prepping for this and it's like, it's just, you could just sit there all day watching different blogs and reels and <laughs> looking at different content, man. You're uh, you're an inspiration for many. You do a lot of incredible stuff. So thank you for coming in and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can give bigger with our profits. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.